Hello, I'm Oliver Colling, and this is my 70s TV childhood. Welcome back to my 70s TV childhood. We are a podcast which looks back with affection to 1970s Britain and to what it was like to grow up as a child in that much vilified decade and also the central part that television played in our and our family's lives back then. If you're listening for the first time, then a particularly warm welcome to you. And if you're one of our many devoted regular listeners, it's great to have you listening too. Now, as always, we've had a bulging digital postbag of your comments on and suggestions for the podcast. So thanks for that. In particular, we've had lots of requests asking whether we've considered doing a live version of the podcast, and also whether there might be a way of engaging with our listeners in a way that brings you together at the same time. Well, all I can say is that we are considering your requests very carefully, and our production team here at My 70s TV Childhood Towers is looking at how we can make something happen in a way which works for our audience. So watch this space. Some more announcements on this will be coming soon. Oh, and I'd also like to mention once again that we're delighted to have been shortlisted for Best Film and TV Podcast at the 2023 UK Independent Podcast Awards. It's really very exciting, and it's a tribute to all of you, our listeners, for your continuing support. Also, a special mention for one of our regular listeners in Cyprus, who was worried that we had stopped producing new content as she couldn't find any more episodes. Well, Thankfully, all that had happened was that she caught up on all of our previous episodes, all 70-odd of them, however many we've got so far, and so now she's bang up to date. It's really moving for me to hear from you about the memories that the podcast brings back, and I'm so pleased that so many of you take the time to let me know. If you do have anything you'd like to share with us, you can get in touch via our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com, through our various social media accounts, or simply email me. Oliver at my70stvchildhood.com. Now, as I said before, we've done 70 odd episodes of the podcast now, and we've covered lots of varied subjects, but one of our episodes has attracted way more listeners than any other. And that was our episode from May 2022 on Camberwick Green, Trumpton, and Chigley. It's also been one of the episodes on which we've had the most listener feedback. Those shows have proved to be a hugely evocative reminder of our childhood, partly helped by the number of times they were repeated, I suspect, but I also think that the scripts, the characters and the animation were so engaging that they remain an indelible memory for many of us. But I think the main reason for their enduring popularity was the quality of narration, and that's why, in this episode, we're going to be taking a broader look at the man responsible. Here is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. But this box can hide a secret inside. Can you guess what is in it today? It's not PC McGarry, number 452, or Windy Miller, coming out of the musical box today. Instead, 
This episode is going to be about Brian Kant. Like many others of you, Brian Kant was an ever-present in my younger years, and just to hear his voice takes me right back to some of my earliest memories. Here's a house. Here's a door. Windows, one, two, three, four. Ready to knock? Turn the lock. Play school. One of my earliest memories of watching television is watching play school with my mother, my sister, and my twin brother, who suffered from cerebral palsy and unfortunately died when I was only three years old. So I don't have that many vivid memories of my brother. But I do remember that the play school theme used to make him smile and laugh. And I'm sure that helps me to have fond memories of the show too. Brian Cann was one of the regular presenters of Play School, together with a whole range of others, including Clary Ashcroft, Carol Chell, Johnny Ball, Tony Arthur, Derek Griffiths and Fluella Benjamin. We've mentioned a few others on previous episodes of the podcast, like Rick Jones, who went on to present Fingerbobs, and who famously said that during his time in the children's department at the BBC, that marijuana was available like cornflakes. And more recently, we mentioned Stuart McGugan, who went from play school into the jungle in It Ain't Half Hotman. Come to think of it, there were lots of other presenters too, people like Fred Harris, who went on to be Chocobloke in the children's show Chocoblock. It really was quite a training ground for future stars. But Brian Kant was the main man for many of us. His voice was kind, respectful, but really grabbed your attention as a three or four year old. And for those who don't remember play school, and I can't believe there are too many of you who don't, it was aimed at preschool children who, given this was the 70s, were generally sat watching with their mothers. The presenters would tell stories, sing songs, and get their young audience to join in by pretending to be an elephant or a tree or whatever game they were playing. All pretty innocent and really good fun for the under fives. There was also a section where we'd go through the window, which meant we'd have to try and guess which window we were going to go through. Is it the round window? Is it the square window? Or is it the arched window? And when we got over the excitement of which window we were actually going to go through, there would then be an educational film about how boxes were made or what it's like to go to the seaside and how you fish out creatures from rock pools or something like that. And there was also a group of resident toys who were heavily featured in the show. Do you remember them? There was Big Ted, who was obviously in charge, together with his sidekick, the imaginatively named Little Ted. We had Humpty, who was uh, a bit of a character and always game for a laugh. Or at least he was in my childish mind and imagination. And we also had Jemima the Ragdoll. And, ah, yes, we had Hamble. Now, Hamble has had a lot of bad press over the years. She was an old-fashioned doll and was, quite frankly, terrifying. If you need to know where the makers of the Child's Play horror film series got their inspiration, then look no further than Hamble on Play School. She was also not popular with the presenters, apparently, as she wasn't very cuddleable and was fairly rigid, thus making the imaginative games the presenters used to play with the toys a bit tricky when it came to Hamble. 
According to Clary Ashcroft on the BBC website, she did a terrible thing to Hamble. She just would not sit up. So I got a very big knitting needle, a big wooden one, and I stuck it right up her bum, as far as her head. So she was completely rigid, and she was much better after that. Well, Chloe, that's extremely shocking to me. I've never, ever imagined that Clary Ashcroft would ever say a word like bum. Ah, more childhood illusions gone. But back to Brian Kant, given I was supposed to be talking about him, and have, not for the first time, as many listeners will notice, um, digressed. In a BBC radio programme which looked back at the history of Play School, Brian gave some insights on how he got onto the show in the first place. I arrived and Joy chatted to me about various things, and then she kicked a box out from under her desk and said, get in that box. I said, sorry, she said, get in that box and row out to sea and see what you can find. I had to get off my seat into this box and I pretended to row out. And I did all sorts of things. I I caught a boot, I think, full of custard. Yes. (laughs) That's probably what got me the job. Well, your humour certainly did, as well as your charm. And then eventually she said, come in, your time is up. And uh, that was my audition. And we are so glad you got the job, Brian. Because without play school, you might not have got the Camwick Green, Trumpton and Chigley gigs. And our childhoods would have been all the poorer for that. But who was Brian Kant? Who was the man? He's one of these people who those of a certain age feel like they know almost personally due to the key parts he played in our childhood. But who was he really? Brian was born in Ipswich in July 1933, and after attending Northgate Grammar School for Boys, hoped to sign professional terms with Ipswich Town, having played for the club's youth team. But, much to his dismay, he didn't make the cut and found work as a trainee printer. Thank goodness for that. The Tractor Boys' loss turned out to be Trumpton's gain in the long run, and we can all breathe a hearty sigh of relief for that. After a few years trying to be a printer, he decided to go into acting, and in 1958 appeared in the summer season repertory at Buxton in Derbyshire, before starting to get a few bit parts in children's TV, before in 1964 landing the big one, Play School. From then on, there was scarcely a BBC show aimed at the under-fives that didn't feature him or his voice, and the launch of Camberwick Green in 1966 only added to the affection he was to be held in by current and future generations of children. We played the opening sequence earlier, and each episode followed a similar theme. One of the main characters in the show would rise slowly from the musical box and then have a short chat with Brian. The first episode featured Peter Hazel, the postman, and then proceeded to follow him as he went about his day. Most of the plots were very straightforward, and involved ordinary people in and around the village doing ordinary things, and usually featured some kind of mild disturbance to the routine, which the star character would then be able to sort out either on their own or with the help of the regular cast of village characters. They'd then be seen in a final scene, returning to the musical box, before the credits literally rolled as they were rolled on a sort of blackboard by a Piero type of clown who played no discernible part in any of the other episodes from what I remember. Why was he there winding through the credits? I've no idea but the opening and closing sequences did become a hallmark of the show and they're fondly remembered. Camberwick Green and its sequels Trumpton and Chigley portrayed a Britain 
well, I suppose more in England, really, which didn't exist even in the 60s when the programme was made, never mind the 70s when I was an avid viewer. Everyone was nice to each other. Everything worked in a calm, orderly fashion. And whilst Camberwick Green had its own policeman, P.C. McGarry number 452, there didn't seem to be much crime to speak of, and all the characters sort of went about their business cheerfully, often bursting into song, courtesy of Brian Kant. Driving along with the baker's man in a rackety-tackety baker's van. Each loaf and cake the baker's bake will roll and shake as our rounds we make with the baker man in the baker's van, the rackety-tackety baker's van. As we mentioned in our original episode on this, the tunes were not always very imaginative, so the baker's van song was very similar to the song that the soldiers sang. But do you know what? It didn't matter one little bit. We were captivated and delighted by the whole premise. It really was a perfect place, was Trumptonshire. We even had Windy Miller, who ran the local windmill grinding corn. Windy was a traditional miller, who wore a smock and an old-fashioned hat. He even brewed his own cider, which he attempted to share with farmer Jonathan Bell during one episode. Windy gets some of his home-brewed cider for Jonathan. It's thirsty work carrying sacks. But Jonathan won't have any now. He must go to the station to get his milk churns. But Windy likes cider, so he has a drink. Windy looks at his mill proudly. No one will make him change anything. Cider is very good, but it makes people sleepy. Windy's cider is very strong cider. Windy Miller is suddenly very sleepy. Fortunately, there were no health and safety regulations operating in Camberwick Green at the time, so Windy wasn't arrested for operating dangerous machinery under the influence of alcohol. And this sort of pattern was repeated in both Trumpton and Chigley, all accompanied by Brian Kant's distinctive narration and his singing. Our previous episode looked at some of the most famous sequences and lines from the shows, so I won't go back on any of those, but I can't resist reminding you of just one of them. Can you guess which one I'm thinking of? Barney 
So where does that take you back to? I'm sitting on the floor in front of our Radio Rentals black and white TV set, watching Captain Flack and his fireman go down the Trumpton streets. It's just after lunch, and I'm literally watching with Mother. I'm sure many of you have similar memories. Of course, there was never any fire, and the biggest service that the fire brigade gave to the community was holding a band concert every afternoon in the park, which ended each episode of Trumpton. Happy days indeed. During the 1960s, 1970s and even into the early 1980s, there couldn't be many children in Britain who didn't recognise Brian Kant's voice, either from Play School or from the Trumptonshire programmes. Brian was a host on Play School for 21 years until 1985, when he was apparently deemed too old for the target audience. As if kids mind how old someone playing with them or telling them a story is. By the 1980s, there must have even been a few parents of small children who had grown up listening to his voice. And Brian Kant always seemed to be absolutely dedicated to his audience. In an interview in 2010, he looked back fondly on the show. He said, One of the main rules of those play school days was that we should play to the camera as though we were talking to one child. It could be somebody in a tower block, in a nice semi-detached somewhere, or even in a royal palace. You had to phrase everything so that whoever was watching it, they felt you were talking to them. And you know, I think he genuinely did that every time he was in front of the camera. Aside from play school, Brian Kant, together with Tony Arthur, was the main presenter of a spin-off show, which I remember screened on Saturday afternoons on BBC Two. It was aimed at older children, and in effect it was a series of sketches and musical numbers. It really doesn't matter if the trailing on its fine Just as long as you've got time To be a wayward Playaway started in 1971 and ran until 1984 and, as well as Brian Kant and Tony Arthur, featured most of the other play school presenters. But also looking back, it featured, quite remarkably, the young Jeremy Irons, Julie Covington, Anita Dobson and Tony Robinson. There was also lots of music featured and Jonathan Cohen led the band. It was all a bit confusing because Jonathan Cohen basically did every children's TV show on the BBC which featured music, including the rather worthy Music Time show we occasionally watched in our classroom at school. There were also regular appearances from George Chisholm, the jazz trombonist, who did amusing things with his trombone. All right, stop sniggering at the back of the class. All in all it was, I seem to remember, pretty good fun and filled a gap on Saturday afternoons for those who didn't want to watch horse racing or wrestling or world of sport or rugby league on grandstand. It's also another one of these shows where very few episodes remain. It seems amazing to us now, but the policy of wiping videotapes and reusing them to save money was widespread in the 70s and 80s, 
thus depriving us of many classic TV moments. After all, who would want to watch TV shows again 40 years later? When Playaway was cancelled in 1984, and then he was soon dropped by Play School for being too old, Brian found himself at a bit of a loose end, and took small acting parts in TV shows, so eagle-eyed viewers spotted him in shows like Ever Decreasing Circles and Casualty. He even popped up in a couple of episodes of the daytime soap Doctors. But thankfully, he and his wonderful voice also became known to a new generation of young children. In shows like Dapple Down Farm, where he played Brian the Farmer, and JJ the Jet Plane, where he was the narrator. In 1999, Brian Kant was diagnosed with Parkinson's, but still carried on acting until 2011. He died in June 2017, aged 83, and his passing was marked by a huge outpouring of nostalgia for childhood from those, like me, who see him as a real tangible link with their childhoods, evoking memories of happy times, of parents, grandparents, and just the happy days of being a child without any worries or responsibilities. Programmes like Trumpton, Camwick Green and Play School can transport me back to that time through Brian Kant's voice in an instant. Brian Kant was a defining voice from my childhood, and I'm sure he is for many of you listening. Just hearing a few phrases of his wonderful voice is a joy. He himself always appeared to be a nice bloke as well, which helps. And to be honest, he was always quite modest when people told him how much he and his voice meant to them. He said, It's obviously very kind and very rewarding to have that effect, but I can't believe it was important to everyone. Well, Brian, if you're sat on a cloud somewhere listening to this podcast, I can assure you that it was important to me and to many, many others, and we will be eternally grateful for your being part of our early lives. Do you have fond memories of Brian Kant or of Play School or Playaway? Or were you a big fan of Trumpton et al? Let us know by leaving a comment on our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com or by posting on our social media channels, or you can simply email me, oliver, at my70stvchildhood.com. That's all we've got time for now. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to review us and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It means a lot. Take care and join us again soon for more from My 70s TV Childhood. Take it away, Captain Flack. 